Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. We've been in the book of James. Uh, For those of you guys who are new, my name is Matt. My wife, Jackie, and I, we pastor this great group of people called Fountain Church. And uh, just so grateful to be with you this morning. Well, as we navigate through the book of James, I think we got through two verses uh, last week. We're only going to get through uh, two verses this week. Um, James reminded us to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials or troubles of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so, so we learned last week that we need to pay attention to our values because our values determine our evaluation or how we consider a trial. And so James is expounding a little bit more today to let us know what's happening behind the scenes. He says that the testing of your faith is on the line. Now, a lot of times we think about a test, we think negative, right? A test. But this word in the Greek, it actually means to prove or proof of your faith. See, trials aren't meant to destroy us as followers of Jesus. They're they're meant to simply reveal that our faith is in Christ because when our faith is in Christ, it does something. Trials move us to a greater dependence. They move us outside of ourselves to have to look to God for his wisdom, for for his strength, for his power, for his guidance. And, And when we do that, we start to see something. We start to see the faithfulness of God at work in the midst of our trial, which causes us, we begin to trust God and depend upon him and move outside of ourselves to him. What ends up happening is we see his faithfulness that causes us to endure Beyond what we might even be able to endure on our own. We learned from Paul last week. He said, man, well, I felt the sentence of death, but it caused me to focus on the one who raises the dead. It caused me to depend on the one who raises the dead. And what ends up happening is as you're underneath that weight, God is expanding your capacity. God is growing you to the point where James says, you're going to mature. In other words, this word in the Greek, it means to be full grown. Because something happens when your faith is in God, it pushes us toward a dependence in the midst of the trial that causes us to endure, that produces a maturity on the inside of us that we might be whole and complete. Why? Because our life is Christ-centered, even in the midst of the trial. But the question is this, is how do we keep considering it pure joy? Because a lot of times, perseverance is the problem. Like, we can consider it joy in the beginning. But as this trial and the duration extends, how do we keep pure joy? How do we stay on the trail in the trial? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much as we dive into your word. Expand our hearts and our mind. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you more. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to navigate trials according to your will, that we might remain on the trail of maturity and completeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So how do you stay the course? How do you you stay up under as the duration expands, as it continues? How do we bear that weight? 
Because I'll tell you what, there's nothing worse than being in a trial and not having what you need. It's the worst. Like when I was at the skate park four and a half weeks ago, I sure could have used some wrist guards. Right? And as a result, I didn't. I got my cast off. Praise Jesus. I still got to wear this little thing, and I'm going to get so many sermons out of this whole rehabilitation deal. So it's going to pay off eventually. But, but, it, but it was painful. Right? It cost me some time. It caused me some, uh, cost me some functionality, some money. X- x-rays are expensive. And, and so, so if I would have just had what I needed in the midst of that fall... Man, it would have saved me a whole lot. But here's the problem was, I thought I had what I needed. I thought I didn't need that. Because I'm Pastor Matt, this is what I do. <laughs> right? I'm just going down a little ramp. I did, not think that, I did not think that I needed wrist guards, right? Cool kids, like, don't wear those. If you're a child and you're listening to me, that's a lie. You should wear them or you're going to end up like your pastor. Don't do that. But, but, but here, here's, here's the reality is is we all know how it feels to be in a spot where we think we have what we need, but it's not it. I remember going to Trader Joe's. Anybody ever shop at Trader Joe's? I remember we were having some company over, and the, the cart was loaded. I had all of my kids loaded up the cart on time. Like, I'm ahead of schedule. Get up to the register, look for my wallet, do one of these things. Like, oh, uh, so didn't have my wallet. No big deal. I live right down the street. So just put the card aside. I'll come right back, pay for it. All good. Go home. Realize I left my wallet at a coffee shop in Castro Valley. I know that's how I felt. That is exactly how I felt. <laughs> I realized I left my wallet in Castro Valley. I'm in Livermore. So I know that this is not going to be okay. They're going to have to put all the groceries back and I'm going to have to come back and do what? shop all over again. And that's exactly what I had to do. The worst. And we all know how it feels to have something we think we need, but we fall into Proverbs 14 where there's a way that seems right to us, but the end, it leads to death. Uh, like, like we all have a default in the middle of trials, don't we? There's something that we run to at the moment we start to feel uncomfortable. And some of them, we just know they're super obvious to us. Some of us, we don't even realize we do. But sometimes when we face a trial, rather than running to God, we think, no, 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 I, I, just, I just need to medicate a little bit. I just need to medicate, right? Like the doctor told you, your health is not doing good. You need to switch up your diet a little bit. And you're like, I got dryers, man. I'm okay. Cookie dough, rocky road, I'm going to be fine. I don't even feel that bad, right? And we think we have what we need, but it's not it. Or we're experiencing some pain. And we think, listen, I haven't dabbled in that addiction in a long time. I'm, I'm a lot more mature now, so I can just dabble a little bit to take off the edge. just want to take off the edge. I'm okay. Yeah. Right? Some of us in our loneliness, we thought, all I need is a relationship. And then you get one, and you're like, this is everything I don't need. <laughs> right? This is, like, what is happening here? I thought... That I had what I needed, but it wasn't it. Some of us, we, we, we say, no, I, I just need to worry a little bit. You know what's interesting about worry and anxiety? What most people don't understand, it is an escape from reality by creating a distorted reality. But in some crazy way, it's actually used as a coping me- mechanism not to deal with reality. And I'm not talking about a chemical imbalance or something being wrong with your brain. That's, that's a different story. But I'm just saying sometimes we default to worry, and we can get very comfortable in the place of worry because if I stay worried, then I'm never disappointed if something goes wrong. 
So we, we just, we hold on to this. Some of us, we think, no, no, what I really need in this moment is just I need to level up on my, my achievement. Because I have a storm and a trial of insecurity happening on the inside of me, and so I need to feel accomplished in the trial. I, I, I need to feel like I'm gaining some ground because I'm a fe- I have so many different fears of, of, of losing whatever this proverbial status is. So maybe if I just buy this, anybody ever do that? If I could just have this, like you're just focused on if I can just purchase this, like you picture everything is just going to be at a different level and then you get it and you're like, shoot, it's not it. Yeah. And so, I mean, what about, what about, what about isolation? Maybe I just need to isolate. Can I just speak to those of you that might've gotten a bad doctor's report? Sometimes we think about isolation of just people just don't want to be around people, but, but sometimes we're so devastated it's just like I just need to be away from everybody when in reality what you need is community around you. And it's so much easier to hide. Maybe you're in sin. Let me, just, let me just hide away. Let me get under the covers. Let me just not deal with reality, which leads to denial. Some of us, we just, the trial is just overwhelming. So I just, if I, maybe if I just fake it till I make it, I'll be all right. Let me just pretend that everything's okay. Let me put the smile on. Let me put the, the mask on. Even though I'm dying on the inside and I'm, I'm very confused, I could use some guidance. I could use some counsel. I could use some wisdom. And it's just easy just to, to not deal with them. This one is one that's not talked about too much is false ideologies. You know what happens in a trial is we either find ourselves running to God or we can find ourselves running away from God. A lot of times we run away from God when um, we either have a distorted view of God's role in our trial. Like, hey, you didn't show up. Where were you? How, how come you're letting this happen? Or we've messed something up. And we feel ashamed. We feel guilt. And so we need to run from truth to a false ideology that either uh, makes our sin a little bit more palatable because of a mess that we created so we don't have to deal with it. Because if I have to face God, then I have to deal with reality of me. And sometimes I don't want to do that. So I'd rather just opt into a whole other belief system that just fits with my lifestyle. Or, or uh, because I'm so distorted uh, of God's role in my life, I'm just going to completely switch gears. And like Paul said, give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, which are based on lies, deception, and distortion of who God really is. And so there's all these things that sometimes we, if we're honest, all of us have been in one of these categories. Some of us are here today. Some, some of us were, were there last week. Some of us were getting ready to consider some of these categories. Uh, but, but James says, listen, there's nothing worse than being in a trial and not having what you need. It's even worse when you think you have what you need, but it's not what you need. And James says what you really need in the midst of the trial is wisdom. He said, this is it. And you think about like, for real? Like out of everything that I need in the middle of a trial, wisdom? Even some of you right now, you're like, I don't want to hear that. Like give me something tangible. Get me out of this thing, God. Like, like wisdom? Now, wisdom is really interesting, and I think it's important to note that Peter lets us know that by God's divine power, he's given us everything we need for living a godly life. The problem is that sometimes we just don't have the wisdom to tap into it. So God has given you everything you need in the middle of the trial, right? We have received all of this by coming to know him. 
as a follower of Jesus, you're in relationship with him. I mean, that alone is all that you need. Christ is all that you need. But sometimes it takes wisdom to help us to tap in all that God has given us. Right? We're, we're, we're saved. We, we have everything that we need. And wisdom comes and says, yeah, let me help you tap into that. Let me help you get the most out of this trial and not waste it. Can I just tell you that trials were never meant to be wasted as God moves us toward maturity? So wisdom defined, you might be asking, well, what in the world is wisdom? I like this definition. It's a God-given and God-centered discernment, perception in the absence of judgment with the view of obtaining God's direction and understanding regarding the practical issues of life. It never ceases to amaze me that we miss the practical so often, so often, so often. So often. So often. Like God, God, you know, we, we, we want the deeper things of God, especially those of us who have been in church for a while. We like, God, give me, give me the deep things. Just, I want to go a little bit deeper, and that's important. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But sometimes we miss the very practical things like love your neighbor. Like God says, love your neighbor, and we're like, I don't get it. So complicated. So knowledge, you can tear stuff down. I'm good at that. You're good at that. We're all good at dismantling. But wisdom helps to put it back together. Wisdom knows that after I've blown it, after I said what I shouldn't have said, it kind of helps us to put things back together. And it's not easy. It's not easy. It's easy to dismantle. It's not easy to put things back together. It requires wisdom. But see, sometimes we, we confuse a worldly wisdom from a godly wisdom. I think this is so fitting for our, our culture, our nation today. A worldly wisdom says, but uh, James is going to speak on wisdom a little bit more in chapter 3, so we're going to hit it all today. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Whoa. For where, you, uh, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. The wisdom of the world is consumed with self. It's about my agenda. It's about my way. It's about doing things the way that I perceive things should be done. It's about envy, meaning uh, I want what you got. I'm willing to do whatever I can to, to get that. It's, it's, it's envious of what other people have. It's envious of what you don't have. It's prideful. I think the most scariest thing is it denies the truth. Worldly wisdom denies truth. It, it can't look at it. And what happens when you deny truth? It gets pro progressively worse. It goes from earthly to unspiritual to demonic. And that is not a path that, that you and I want to be on, right? And because what, it, what does it do? It leads to disorder. It leads to disorder, confusion, chaos. And every evil practice, this word in the Greek disorder, it means a chaotic frenzy of fighting. I'm like, man, this is, this is like, turn on the news, and I'm like, whoa! Yeah. And the sad part is, is this, it leads to instability and no rest. Yeah. It's restless, it's chaotic, it's, and so, so James is like, you don't want this kind of wisdom, it gets progressively worse, but this is the wisdom that a lot of us default to. And I'm going to explain it as we go. What we really want is we want some heavenly wisdom. James says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, it's, it's pure. It's blameless. Man, this is so good. But then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, 
full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. When I, when I read this, I'm like, this is so whole. This is so complete. Do you get that sense? It's like, man, I, I want to walk in this way. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3 says that silver and gold is meant for the furnace, but the Lord tests the heart. See, the, the furnace is meant for silver and gold, but God still tests our, listen, our heart is still tested, not by the furnace, but it is tested by fire. Right? The proof of our faith is in the trial that causes us to persevere, that leads us towards maturity and being complete, not lacking in anything. It reminds me of Amy Carmichael, one of my favorite missionaries. She was an Irish missionary to India. And when she was uh, with a group of kids, she took them to a traditional goldsmith. Traditional story, favorite story. If you've heard it before, just act like you've never heard it before. But she goes to this goldsmith in India, and he has a, a coal fire going. And what he does is he gets a little roof tile, and he, and he sprinkles some salt some tamarind fruit, and some brick dust. And then he, he puts the gold in the middle. And so in the middle of this mixture, they, it, the mixture, the, the little tile goes into the fire. And, and after kind of swooshing it around, the mixture starts to, to burn up a little bit. And, and he takes the tongs and he pulls the gold out and he looks. And if there's some impurity still, he creates another mixture, puts it a little bit closer to the fire so that he can get all the impurities out. And, and one of the kids asked, they asked, well, how do you know when it's done? And the gold, old goldsmith said, it's so easy. It's when I can see my reflection in it. And, and so I, I want you to understand that, that God's goal in the trial is growth. Our goal is him. But how do we keep persevering? How do we consider it pure joy? Well, wisdom allows us to see that God is at work. It's wisdom that allows us to see in the middle of the fire that God is removing impurities from us. God is, is revealing some things on the inside of us. God is also proving and testing some things on the inside of us. He may not be creating the trial, but he's using it to refine us. And that's just, we just don't like to hear that, right? Like, I don't want to be refined anymore, God. But, but something happens in the midst of that as we're underneath, we're building muscle. My legs, they just don't have a lot of muscle. But I need to do a lot more squats. I need to come up under a lot more weight because if I do, they'll grow. My, my capacity expands. And wisdom not only, um, wisdom helps you and I not only know that God is doing something in us, but helps us to see what God is doing as he is looking to refine us to the place where he sees his reflection. Why? Because in that place, there is wholeness, there is completeness. There's maturity so that we're not lacking any good thing. I didn't say it's fun. Remember last week we talked about James didn't say enjoy the trial. He also didn't say deny it. He said consider it. you got to consider it. What you value will determine your evaluation of the trial. That's why you can't get these mixed up. you got to listen to last week and this week. you got to combine these two together if it's going to make sense in regards to you and I persevering. So how do we get it? Like, what, what, like, this sounds great. I'd love some of this. This is awesome. Well, James makes it very clear. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom. Now, James is being very kind. What he is saying is we all lack wisdom. 
Like we are all struggling. Like right now, if you don't think you lack wisdom, you're having a moment where you're lacking wisdom. Right now. Right? I mean, that's revelation for you right now. But James is saying, listen, we all lack wisdom. And so how do we, how do we tap into this? How do we get it? He makes it very clear. He just says, simply ask God. Just ask God for wisdom. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously without fault. Another translation says, without rebuking you. I thought, God, why would you rebuke me for asking for wisdom? It's really not, God wouldn't do that. But a lot of times we think he will, especially, 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 especially when the especially, 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 trials, 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 trials. God says, listen, no, I'll still give generously to you without finding fault. God may use some of those things to enhance your wisdom. But, man, we want to be led to the right conferences. We want to be led to the right people. We, God puts community in our lives, hashtag small groups, that God will use people in our lives to give us wisdom. But it starts with asking him. It's so simple. But a lot of times it's just not our default. The moment we're in a trial, a lot of times our default, we may kind of cry out to God and like, a, oh, man. But, but not a seek, not a well-worn path, not a pursuit that says, I know that I need you above everything in this moment. Like, what if our first response was to ask the Lord for wisdom? Because a lot of times in the trial, we ask for a lot of stuff. We don't tend to ask for wisdom a lot, unless, unless it's kind of repetition, because it's really easy when you're in a public setting to pray for two things, strength and wisdom. Lord, I just pray for strength. God, pray for wisdom for them. Yes, it's the easy little prayer. And it's, but it's true. Sometimes we miss the importance of that prayer. Of just just asking God for wisdom because we tap into our resources and then our resources diminish and we're like, hey, maybe I should throw one up there. Maybe I should throw a little prayer up to God and see if he might work in the midst of our trial. What if if our default was just storming a well-worn path to him saying, God, I desperately need your wisdom. You see, see King Solomon, the son of King David, King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3 God gave him a dream. And God said, Solomon, you can ask for whatever you want. He's a young king. He said, you can ask for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon says, man, I, honestly, Lord, I feel like a child still that doesn't know his way around. He says, I look at your people that, I've, that you've called me to lead, and they're so numerous, like you can't even count them. So he says, you know what I want, Lord? Above all things, he says, give me understanding. Give me a heart so I can govern your people. I want to govern them well and know the difference between right and wrong. Oh, man, gosh, we need this so badly right now. Our leaders need this so badly right now. Man, praise God for a leader that says, no, as a leader of this home, I want understanding, God. As a leader on on this job side, I, I want understanding, God. As a spiritual leader, I want And I need understanding for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. Like he could have had anything. And he said, no, I want wisdom. Like like here he is, he's young and he recognized his limitations. He recognizes his inabilities. And that's the key to a trial. The key to a trial is not starting off with, um, you know, acknowledging this is what I need or this is what I need to get. It's acknowledging that, Lord, I don't know if I have everything that... that I need to get through this. And I may think I have what I need, but that may not be what I need. 
And so, Lord, I need you in the midst of this. I'm in over my head. I'm not sure which way to go. I need you. And it says that God was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. Why? Because God delights in humility. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I mean, come on, are you guys with me today? And so, so I, just, I just wonder if, like Solomon, we had a heart that would say, if I'm going to win, I need you. I need you above all things. I need your wisdom. Because wisdom, there's a few components to it. The first one is knowledge. Let me tell you a story. How many of you guys know knowledge can hurt you? There was a, there was a youth pastor that um, was having a difficult morning. He ate some bad food the night before. He was on his way to a speaking engagement. He lived in New York, so he's trying to hurry up for the train. Long story short, he, he gets outside of his house, gets his coffee, and realizes that, man, something's really wrong with my stomach. So he starts to make a beeline for the train because he's late. And in the process, he has an accident. And uh, you guys, uh, th- that's not the ideal situation if you're going to a speaking engagement to have an accident. Are you with? I'm just going to leave it at accident. Can you guys, you guys understand what I'm saying? Okay. So he has an accident. And so, so rather than going to the train right away, he goes to an Urban Outfitters. And he runs in there, throws his credit card on the, on the floor, says, man, I need a size 34 denim. Size 34 denim runs to the bathroom, tries to clean up a little bit, um, grabs his, his bag on the way out because he, you know, he doesn't want to be late for the train. He makes the train, gets into the bathroom on the train. What you don't know can hurt you. He gets into the bathroom, he goes in, he's getting ready to change his clothes, and he pulls out a size 34 denim, but it wasn't pants, it was a jacket. How many of you know knowledge can hurt you? As he walked off like a little sumo wrestler off that, uh, off that train. Because <laughs> what I didn't tell you is he took off his, his pants. He didn't want to put them in the garbage, so he threw them out the window. Come on, you pastor. <laughs> Rough. Knowledge can hurt you. But, but wisdom, wisdom, wisdom is made up of knowledge, but it's also made up of perspective. Uh, like my kids always come up to me. They're like, Daddy, will you pick me up? And especially when they're young. And there's really no motivation they're just like, pick me up. They're so adamant. I'm like, what? They get up and they're just like this. Like, what can I get? What can I grab? Because I can, I can see now. I, before, I'm like way down here, man. I'm like, but up here, I can see. Yeah. It, it, it puts things in perspective. Right, right? Wisdom also has uh, an aspect of experience. Some of us are like, man, I just wish I had more experience. I, you go on a job interview and they say, man, you have too much experience or not enough experience. But I want you to think about this for a minute. How much more for you and I that we follow and serve the one who was omnipotent, who was all-powerful, who spoke the world into being, who speaks to the galaxies, who speaks to every planet, says orbit, spin, do everything just as I tell it, you two. How he he is sovereign over everything. He is omnipresent, meaning he is all places, all-knowing, And he's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He knows all things, and he's present everywhere. A God who's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. And he says, you have access to my knowledge, to my perspective, and to my experience. Let that sink in for a moment. Like when we're coming to ask God for wisdom, we have access to all of those things. So God says in the trial, draw close. I'm going to teach you things you didn't know. I'm going to show you things you couldn't see. 
and trusting me on experience, I got a lot of it. And I know exactly what you need. So ask God for wisdom. Doesn't wisdom seem a little bit more like, man, I could use a little bit of that. But then he goes on and he says, but ask without wavering. Ask without wavering. Like, like, don't go back and forth. Don't be torn between God and the world all the time. Like, oh, no, God, but then the world, God, God, world. Don't, don't, don't waver back and forth. He, he continues and he says this. He says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver. For a person who has a divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. Waves are so unpredictable. It'd be crazy, like, we'll out with my kids, and we'll be in the surf, you know, on little boogie boards. And sometimes the waves, it's just, you're like, where are the waves at? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they just will rise up. I'm just out of nowhere, they just, they just come out. So it's really hard to predict. If you grew up in Hawaii and you're like, they're coming, right? Maybe it's a little easier for you. You know what I'm saying? But well, for us, you just don't know. They're, they're so unpredictable. And James is saying, listen, when we're constantly torn between trusting in God and relying on the world, there's an immaturity spiritually on the inside of us. We're we're unstable. Paul said it this way. Paul said, there will no longer be an immature. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown uh, about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. See, when there's a constant wavering on the inside of us between God and the world, there's an immaturity on the inside of us that God in the middle of the trial is trying to work some things out. God's trying to work some things in. Are you tracking with me on that? And the temptation for us in the trial, the temptation is to be tossed. It's to rely on our knowledge, on our perspective, on our experience, on the the way that things normally work. Perfect example, you go to a doctor and there's a bad diagnosis. And all of a sudden you're, you're, you're caught in this conundrum, right? Like, I don't want to be in denial. I, I get that. But then you look at the doctor and you're like, man, I'm just really believing God is going to do something in my life. And the doctor looks at you like, oh, well, all right, well, to each his own. Go for it. And, and all of a sudden, sometimes it feels hard to challenge that. It, hard to challenge that report because the way that things normally happen are this way, but maybe God wants to do something different in that space. Maybe God wants to do something in the midst of that space. Are you, are you guys tracking with me on this? And so there, there's this temptation to, to, to listen to all the other voices. And all of a sudden we're like, oh man, God, I know you say this, but I don't really know about this. And, and then you hear Pastor Matt say, man, trust God, don't waver. And then you leave and you're like, man, it's just not going to work. It's not going to happen. Things don't normally play out this way. If it is going to work, this is what I really need. I really need this to happen. And we find ourselves tossed back and forth and we end with this reality of, I don't know about this one, Jesus. I just don't know about this one. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. That's why my last point for you guys today is very simple, very simple message today, but we just, we miss it so often. And my my, my encouragement to you is to walk in God's wisdom. Don't wander from it. Don't wander from it. 
You know, there's a moment in Luke chapter 5, a man by the name of Peter. And Peter had been fishing all night, didn't catch a thing. And Jesus was speaking, and he told Simon Peter, he says, Peter, I want you to put out into the deep. Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter's like, Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night without catching anything. What do you want me to do? Like, I'm the expert fisherman here. Everybody knows you don't catch fish in the day in the deep. It's at night in the shallow. It's just not making sense. And Jesus is like, yeah, I I want you to trust my wisdom. Peter, I know you're the expert, but I want to take you a little bit deeper. Let's go out into the deep. Peter, I, I know that you're exhausted. I know that you're disappointed. I know that the trial has gotten the best of you. I know you've been fishing all night. You just can't see yourself getting back in the boat. But I just wonder if you would, if you would trust my wisdom. I know it seems a little unconventional, but if you would trust my wisdom, can we, can we push out into the deep waters and see what I'll do? See, what you really need, Peter, you need something miraculous. You need, you need something beyond what you can even comprehend or fathom. You need something beyond your expertise. And guess what? I can see down into the midst of the sea. I control everything in the sea. Can I remind you that in my knowledge, I am all-powerful. In my experience, I am all-knowing. And can I just remind you that I am all-present. I am much here with you as I am in the bottom of that sea. So I just tell you, you might want to trust me on this one. And so Peter, he says, okay, because you say so, I'm going to walk in it. I'm just going to go for it. And that's hard in a trial sometimes just to to go for it because the last thing when we're disappointed, when we're frustrated, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, the last thing we want to do is get back in the boat. The last thing we want to do is, is, is to go out into the deep, to, to try something that completely contradicts everything that we know to be the way that things normally work. And so I would just propose to you today that the Lord is saying, would you come deeper with me? A trial is an invitation to go into deeper waters. A greater wholeness, a greater maturity. And I know sometimes all we see is shallow. God's like, I see some depth that's about to change your life. You know, this one act of obedience was about to shift Peter's life forever as he went out and the boat was full of fish a miraculous catch the Lord is saying will you trust me will you walk in my wisdom or you can wander from it numbers chapter 13 the people of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years supposed to be a very short trip 40 years because of their unbelief because they just wanted to rely on their wisdom And so rather than walking in the wisdom of God, they just kept choosing to wander away from it. It's like, God, you did so, you did so many things. Numbers 13, verse 31, 33, they're they're in the promised land. God has given them this land. says, hey, go and take it. And they see some things in this land that discourage them. They have God's word and God's wisdom, but they choose not to walk in it. They said, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report 
about the land among the Israelites, the land that we travel through and explore will devour anyone who goes there. It's going to devour us. Like, whoa, like God said, no, it's going to be a land flow of milk and honey. There's going to be victory. It's going to bless you. How the enemy loves to lie that God's wisdom leads to devouring. So not true. And so he says, and all the people we saw there, they're huge. We even saw giants out there. Some big people. Descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. How do you know what they thought? See, rather than walking in wisdom, you had the word of God, but you chose to wander away from it. You had the promises of God, but you, rather than walking, you chose to wander away from it. And God is like, no, I want to bless you. I want to take care of you. I want to mature you. I want to complete everything that I've called you to in this trial. So instead of walking in God's wisdom, they walked based on their own wisdom and assumption. Anytime that we walk away from the word of God or the wisdom of God, what we're doing is we're assuming that we know better. Oh, as ridiculous as this sounds is as ridiculous sometimes as we are when we assume that God just doesn't work. And so Caleb of the group, he's like, no, 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 we, we, like, we can go, we can do this. God promises it's going to be a trial. It's going to be a little bit of a battle. It, it's going to be, it might be a little bit tough, but God is doing something deeper in us. Let's go. We don't know how it's all going to play out, but do you remember all that God has done? And the trial, it's tough. Let's go. You know, Lois and Clark, when they went out on their expedition to try to find a waterway, empowered by Thomas Jefferson to find a waterway between the Atlantic and the Pacific, they were given money, they were given resources for that, for that journey. And what was so interesting, on top of all their supplies and food and all that stuff, they chose to buy ink. And Holly Wagner says it's so good. She said, you know, everybody was perplexed. Like, why would you buy ink? It doesn't make any sense. You don't need ink for the journey. And that's true. But they needed ink to document the journey. So many people have been blessed in their travels as a result of that ink. Can I, can I just tell you, sometimes it doesn't make sense, but when we wander and walk away from God's wisdom, it says, and the whole community began weeping out loud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. Poor Moses and Aaron, right? If we only had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Can I just say that when you and I lack God's wisdom, it leads to hopelessness. It leads to grumbling, it leads to blaming, and it leads to complaining in your trial. Can you guys hear that? Like when we're lacking the wisdom of God, what is the result of it? Remember, it's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic, and it just gets progressively worse. And we move from this place of hopelessness to grumbling to blaming to complaining, and that's how we live in the trial because you can't see a way out. Everything is, be, everything is dependent on your resource. Everything is dependent on you when we wander from God's wisdom. We, we get off the trail. But can I just encourage you today that it's the wisdom of God that keeps us on the trail and the trial. 
And so if you're off the trail, it's not too late. It's not too late to experience what it's like. Purity and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. Come on, we need this this week. Impartial and sincere, peacemakers. Come on, let's lead the way, church. Man, our culture needs this, right? Our nation needs the wisdom of God. Because right now, it's disorderly. It's chaotic. There's no rest. What the world desperately needs in the midst of this trial, what our nation desperately needs. It's not this, it's not that, it's not. It's the wisdom of God and leaders that will lead as such. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for wisdom today. Maybe we just take a moment right now and just ask the Lord for wisdom. We're going to have our prayer team up here. And if you want somebody to agree with you and just say, man, I really need God's wisdom today. We, we want to agree with you. We want to ask God with you. You don't need us, but there's something powerful of us coming into agreement, knowing you're not alone in the trial. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're tuning in online and you say, man, I just need to give my life to Jesus today. I, 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 the, the, I need some of this wisdom that God has to offer. Can I just tell you that the greatest, the greatest thing of all is not even so much having the wisdom of God, it's having God. Remember, God's goal is growth. Our goal is God. We just pursue him. And it's his wisdom that's given to us by his spirit that makes all the difference in the world. If you have the spirit of the living God on the inside of you, the game changes. And so if you're here today, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe it's fake. Maybe you've been religious your whole life, but you're really not walking with Jesus. Man, make, make a decision today. Whether you're here in person or online, make a decision today. Would you pray this with me? If, th- if that's you, you say, man, Pastor Matt, I- I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I need God in my life. I want to pray with you a commitment prayer. And then we want to resource you after to help you understand what does it look like to walk with God. But would you pray this with me? Can we all pray this together with them? Say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender. I give you my life. Thank you that you died, that I might have wisdom, that I might have life, that I might have you. Today I confess my sin, my selfishness, my pride, my own agenda, wanting to go my own way. I don't want to do that anymore. I want wisdom from heaven. I need you. So would you forgive me, fill me with your spirit, and give me wisdom to know you, to love you, and to follow you. Put a hunger in my heart for your word, and surround me with some great people that can encourage me in my walk with you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand? Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.